Hello and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. My name is Lazar Lazovich, and I'm a civil engineering student at Drexel University. And right now, I'm talking on M's podcast. Is that okay? It felt weird. Thanks for coming on, honey. <laughs> so, uh, um, it, it feels very strange to do this with you because you're dating me and we're just in a room by ourselves. Anyway, um, but I... Oh my god, I have no idea what to say. Huh. This is so strange. Stage right. fright. Um, but anyway, so uh, I have a ton of podcasts lined up for the next few months, and I had been trying to find somebody to come on for this week, and I was telling you about it, and you said, oh, you want to hang out just you and me? I'm like, okay. So, um, yep. so now you're here. So pretty much some context on uh, what your connection is to design is that... Um, I, there is none. Civil engineering. Yeah, but it's a different kind of design. I make roads and sewers. You make things that are nice to look at and don't have traffic on them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of uh, connections and also your interest in architecture, too. Um, I remember on our first date, you showed me a ton of pictures of all of your travels, and I felt like most of them were uh, pictures of architecture. Yeah, that's because I hate my photo being taken, as you can tell. <laughs> so I don't really do the whole selfie thing. I don't really need my face in it to remember, oh, I was in Venice. I know, because I have my big schnoz in front of uh, the the channels and so on. Yeah, I, I, I really love those photos when when you first showed me. I remember... Because I'm not in them. <laughs> <laughs> we were um, going... I remember we went through maybe like... 80 photos of just like all of these countries that you've been to because you were on the um uh the national rowing team and so you had all of this travel that you well that and the school trips though i had that were to the czech republic austria italy slovakia some other places but i'm kind of blanking on them yeah. So, yeah, those were nice. Who was expensive as hell in some of them, though. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I always like starting at, at the very beginning of stories. And I remember before we started the podcast, you were like, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. I'm like, I don't know either, but we'll try to figure it out. It's weird because I don't know how to, how to prepare for a podcast with you. I mean, you're interviewing someone that you've been spending time with for four years. You tend to know the things. 24-7. So it's kind of hard. It's weird to ask a question of someone that you already know the answer to. Yeah. So I, I guess um, we'll try to piece together what I know about you. And then if there's anything missing, um, we'll try to fill in the gaps. So obviously you're from Serbia. Um, <sighs> you sure? <laughs> Hey, you never know. I should do a 23 in May. <laughs> and so um, I guess we can talk about uh, you got into uh, architecture and engineering um, because you went to a specialized school for it, um, yes. from what you told me. Uh, but I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about, like, I, I know the story of why you went to that high school because it was the closest one to your house. <laughs> Pretty much, and ended up being something that I really liked. Although, I did take what what you would call the aptitude test and so on and so forth, and everyone that has ever tested me along those lines looked at me straight in the eyes, like, if you take something relating to art, you're going to bomb. 
uh, although you're really good at engineering. So try doing that. And I wasn't fairly surprised because I am the least artsy person in my entire family. Like all of them have a knack for something relating to art. And then I'm just like, nah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, civil engineering was kind of like, I was told to do something along those lines since I was a kid. And then when it came to applying for high school, I was like, well, I have to do something close because of rowing. I couldn't just like have one that's a three hour ride away. And so what happened to be is that the architecture technical school was like a 10 minute walk from my house, two minutes by trolley. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go there. It was within my point score. And I went there. So basically you get points from, uh, depending on your GPA, from fifth to eighth grade. Okay. And then you take uh, an, an exam that's for Serbian and math. And then from there, they give you a point score. Why? Well, I think it's out of 100. And then you see what high school is asking for. It also is like basically supply and demand. If they have a lot of people asking for it, they're going to have a higher criteria. And I had, I think, like 82 points, something along those lines. Don't quote me on that. So it's like a pre-high school SAT kind of basically all yeah. those lines yeah and so I chose the architecture school and I was not at all ready for the amount of work that was that uh doing a technical job like that entailed because of how it works is that technical school is a valid diploma and certification for like project making projects and buildings up to a certain like height uh, height uh, limit so it would be like four stories for me or yes. four, four floors plus a basement. Mm -hmm. And so they are naturally going to make you do things because you're going to build things that might fall down and kill people. So they want to make sure you don't do that. And a lot of projects, a lot of writing, a lot of drawing, staying up all night, hunched over a piece of paper with a ruler, trying to make a precise thing just so you can hand it in and have your uh, professor take a big, big red marker and just like, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. So you can't erase it. You have to redo it. Thankfully, two years in, uh, I was able to convince her. And it's like, hey, come on. I'm, I'm not here because of rowing for that much. I can't really draw all those things. Can you allow me to do it in AutoCAD? Because I can take my laptop wherever I go for uh, rowing camps. And reluctantly, she agreed. And the reason why she was reluctant about it wasn't because she didn't want to look at that. It's because everyone now is like oh you're treating him differently so why don't we get it and sure as hell that happened so she had to let everyone use autocad and then there's people that didn't know how to use it well or would focus on very tedious pointless things like one kid would focus on getting the normally in architectural drawings when you're drawing a window you're drawing two thin lines next to each other and a little line where like the window frame would be kind of just the Give it, it's like, oh, this is a window, so it looks different from walls. This kid drew a precise cut of the window, like all the grooves and everything, but then his room layout was garbage. Oh, he, got, he spent all of his time. He put so many times in. Time. Yeah, well, no, he put so much time in these pedantic things, but then when the professor looked at it, it's like none of the rooms are too standard. Like they are either too small or they're obnoxiously big. Not a big issue if the room is too big, but if it's taken away from other rooms, mm -hmm. it makes it a problem. And you yeah. had to make a functional building. It wasn't because how the grade was, it, you either got an A or an F. There was no like, oh. It was a pass-fail. Yeah, it was basically a pass-fail along the lines of if the building isn't good, 
you're not going to get a B because it might collapse. So that's an F. The only, the way that they got the grades in between the A and the F was your um, tardiness when it came to oh. submitting your project because you didn't just submit the whole thing at the end. You would uh, have progress reports basically. It's like, oh, okay, I've done the foundation drawings and this is how the foundations look. And so if you're like a day or two late, the professor would slowly deduct your points. Also, there were some arbitrary oh. deductions if you didn't really listen to her, how she told you to do it, which it is just... It sounds like... Was that you? What? Was that you? Oddly the way enough, that you're making it sound is... Oddly enough, like, oh. no. I... <laughs> due to my uh, lack of attendance because of rowing and my ability to still get things done on time, a lot of... The, and also, I was an athlete, so I was... Oh, we're so proud of you, even though they really didn't even know what sport I was in. <laughs> but... It did help the the whole aspect of the sport both helped and severely hindered because my junior year I missed just under one thousand classes so that's like seven six to seven classes a day and now you can see oh, how so many you, you missed like a thousand class periods not I guess like, not yes. like full school days no not full school so days like, but it was around. Like, like, I was out of school for around six months because of getting ready for the European Championship. Yeah. So I show up in school with absolutely no grades in the rubric. And normally when you do that and it's the last two weeks of school, they just fail you and you have to repeat the grade. But I was able to be like, come on, I want a medal. I have bronze at the European Championships. You can at least let me take the exam. Don't like hand me a grade. I'll just study and take the exam. And you know how many eyebrows that's going to You're going to take 20 exams in two weeks. And I did. It wasn't ideal. Uh, studying for, I had a class called Concrete. That is not a fun class to study for, especially with a professor that's very particular in how you do things. She does not, uh, the Serbian words is look through your fingers, as in like, uh, letting letting things slide oh like she doesn't let you cover up things with your fingers like metaphorically yeah yeah, yeah. And so she didn't let things slide so that was a class that i knew that i had to focus a lot on combined with the fact that i junior year we had to design a two-story house that's in load-bearing wall system meaning that the weight of the, it's kind of self-explanatory the weight of the building is put into the walls that transferred into the earth earth itself mm -hmm. so i had to make a house while studying all the other exams. So uh, by the time I was done, I ended up having a 3.5 GPA, which I thought was fairly okay due to the, due to uh, me being very close to failing and repeating. 3.5 <laughs> out of 4? Out of 5. Out of 5. Out of five. I, I forget. The, um, yeah. Serb in Serbia, I think in most European countries, it's out of 5. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on that because I yeah. don't know. In I think US? in Germany, it's so in Serbia goes, the worst grade is a 1. Okay. And the best grade is a five until you go to college. And then in college, it's from six to ten. Oh, weird. Yes, six, uh, weird things, but yeah. Ten being the best. In Germany, I think it's vice versa. So it's one is like you're number one and five is you're a failure. So, <laughs> so that's kind of a... So you can just fail in Germany, show up to service like, look at me. I'm such a smart kid. All, <laughs> all apps, but you like them. It's fantastic. Uh, but um, what was I talking about? Yeah, so I ended up passing the grade, 
I did have to explain to a lot of teachers that, in fact, no, I didn't drop out of school just because I wasn't showing up. And they should know that because they would have to sign paperwork if I actually did drop out of school. Yeah, I remember you were saying during the Lazard or the Lovett podcast that... Uh... That some kids started spreading a rumor that you like dropped out of school just yeah, because yeah. you weren't around. <laughs> yeah, the culture back home is you do like to mess with people, and it's all in uh, in a friendly context. So it's yeah. not like oh my god, they're bullying me. It's more along the lines of just mess, mindless messing around. He's just trolling, basically. <laughs> and you need to accept that because if you don't, then you're gonna get trolled a lot more. So the sooner you learn to be like, I really don't care, the sooner they're going to leave you alone. As The more reactions you have, the more persistent they're going to be. Yeah. Which is a really good training method throughout life when you like do that from grade school when there's no like big consequence to kids teasing you. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, if I don't care, they're not going to do anything. Because like, none mm-hmm. of the bullying was ever physical. So mm-hmm. it's just like teasing. So as yeah. long as you start... And then a lot of kids... But like fifth or sixth grade, everyone kind of goes like, why, 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 why would I react? Because no one, because how bullying, I like where we changed the bullying. No, that's fine. How bullying works back home is everyone bullies everyone else. So you would bully the person that bullies you. Yeah, so it's very uh, equal opportunity hazing. <laughs> I don't know if hazing is the word. That's kind of it. Toughening up. Yeah, so you would go through that, and the 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 kids that figured it out soonest that like, oh, if I don't react, I'm not gonna do anything because I'm just not boring to them. Yeah, they're the first kids to just be left alone, and then slowly everyone realizes the same thing. And by fifth or sixth grade, no one's really doing it. Occasionally, there'll be like spats of teasing just yeah. for the fun of it, but none of it would be like uh, disheartening or mean because mm-hmm. no one really reacts then if no one reacts then you're not really being mean to someone back on to school and rowing in my senior year was the year that we actually have to build a building well not build make a project relating to the to a building so it was a four-story building skeletal system which means that there's like a skeleton that carries the weight kind of like you imagine modern day skyscrapers with the big steel pylons and beams yeah so I had to make that. Um, that was, I want to say fun, but really wasn't. <laughs> Drawing all of that on time and then another class. And the, the thing with it is a few other classes were connected to that project design because you were making the building, the rooms, and what things go into the rooms. And then for another class, you do plumbing and ventilation. Oh, okay. So if you're late... Different specialties from different Yes, but, but if you're part. late with the one project... You're now late with all of the other ones. Yes, yeah, so it makes you keep uh, make, keeps you on your toes to say the least. And then you would also have to do other classes on top of that. My worst class, ironically enough, in high school was English. Really? The, <laughs> your English is pretty good now. <laughs> it was pretty much like this back back with like a slightly thicker accent. You but are, you I are, had yeah. a D in English the exact time that I had. Uh, 102 points on the TOEFL out of, I think it's 120. I think it's 120. And I had 1,300 on the SATs out of the, what was it, 1,600? But I had a D in English because the, the professor didn't really know English. So she would kind of <laughs> make an exam. 
You know the whole like put the verbs in tenses, right? Yeah, yeah. That only works if you have the rest of the sentence that really kind of points you to the direction of the the tense. If you have a word, blank, a word in brackets, the verb in brackets, and then another word. It doesn't really tell you what tense because it works in all of them. So like I, I guess an example of the tense would be like uh, I ate a bagel. Like is that kind of like the sentence that they would do? Yeah, like you could put in eat, eating, has eaten, will eat, and so on. You could just add things in there and it fits perfectly. And then you're like, well, I didn't know that you wanted me to add that tense. Weird. So yeah, I would have a D in English, which was ideal. And the professor like, you're never going to go to America to university. You think? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, we'll see. Didn't you, I remember, didn't you have a fight with her about like, whether or not oh, a and or the was no. necessary. Yeah, so there was one I specifically remember because she put on the board. It was uh, she wrote pick up phone. I was like, you need to add the to specify which which phone. You can't just say pick up phone. It, apart from sounding weird, it's incorrect. And she says, oh no, you don't need to add the. It's like um, just because we don't have the in Serbian doesn't mean that they don't have the in English. <laughs> Needless to say, she was fairly cross with me for correcting her in front of the entire class and being adamant about it being incorrect the way she wrote it. As you know, I am... So, a, did you have a D for being a little bit of a smart ass? I had a D prior to that. So she, <laughs> she's like, you don't know English. It's like, mm, yes, okay. I, I, meanwhile, at the time, I was fairly cocky because that was a time that uh, I was getting offered scholarships from Princeton. Yeah. And they weren't full scholarships. I was like, you, it's like, oh... You pay for 20%. Yeah, that's 20% more. Well, that's like... That's, 100% more? That's 100% more than I can pay. And so... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But it ended up panning out well. And uh, what else? Wait, so when she when she said that to you... Um, so when she said you will never go to an American university, is that because you had the goal of doing that? Or is that like a general... No, they class? knew that they knew because of rowing and everything that I was trying to get into it, especially since yeah. I was doing, at the time I was doing paperwork, a uh, letter of recommendation from the principal and so on and so yeah. forth. That was funny. I went to the principal and she was like, yeah, just write to me like how you would want it. <laughs> and I wrote a letter of recommendation. Meanwhile, side note, I'm not the most eloquent writer because i just put straight to the point things i i write all your emails because <laughs> i would normally <laughs> just finish it in a half a sentence like that like all the things you need to know right yeah. and so that didn't really work for my principal so she ended up writing the full thing she wanted me to kind of oh. like write it and in like in english and for her to sign it mm-hmm. and she was like this is awful you wrote like this these are the classes he took yeah it's like you need to like add more description and also i'm recommending you i'm not like writing your track you can just show them your transcript you also uh, don't do well with um uh, compliments like no. like somebody yeah. talking highly of you like i can't imagine you writing that of yourself it i try to compliment weird. you and you just awkwardly walk away <laughs> i mean it feels weird it's usually like it's a normal thing it's like getting a good grade it's like why would i be complimented on it it's like it's kind of something that's expected. It's a mundane thing. You don't compliment someone like, oh, you brushed your teeth. Good job. I mean, if they're, <laughs> if they're a child, fine. That's like encouraging behavior. But if you're an adult, you don't really need compliments because yeah. why would you? Oh, I noticed that you're trying hard. It's like, that, that, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so she ended up writing the thing and I took it to the, uh, uh, the, the, the words of the... the, the the admissions the, office? Or? No, no, no. The, 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 the 
court guy that translate things. Don't know the word. The notary or what? Uh, notary. Notary, yes. Yeah. So they could like translate it, smack a stamp on there, sent it to the other schools. Sadly, none of the classes that I took from civil engineering back home transferred over to like the AP credit system or whatever you would call if it. If you did, you'd probably be graduated by now. Oh no! If I did, I would have probably had two thirds of my classes already. I would have just had to do gen eds. Yeah. Which would have been amazing. <laughs> But they're like, no, we don't know the construction standards and whatnot. Mm. The one bright side is I didn't have to study in college, which is nice. Not yeah, me. I don't really have a lot of memory. Okay, so you and I have been dating since um, uh, February of, of freshman year. Freshman year, and knew each other a couple months before that. Yes. Um, and so I don't really have a lot of memories of you studying. <laughs> it's just <laughs> chemistry in freshman year because. I do not do well with chemistry. Mm. It uh, confuses me to know. And especially in English, more the, the words are more similar than they are in Serbian. So mm. for me, it's just like a, a bunch of the same thing, but it's actually different. Yeah. Like the, the, the alkanes, alkynes, alkenes. still have no idea which is which because <laughs> they sound the same to me. And I never really tried to learn it, to be fair. I just kind of wanted to pass. And I did. Mm. Thank you to the TA that actually explained everything after class. He uh, was very useful. He would show you how to do the, like the TA. The two I had two different TAs for chemistry, and they were a godsend because they would show you how to do all the problems and actually explained it in a non-boring way. Because the professors, the the lecture hall itself, very steamy mm. and dark, so staying awake next impossible. Especially when you woke up at like five thirty in the morning and did an intense workout yes and then showing up to class and having a professor in a gentle light voice talking to me about how hydrogen does this and this. yeah i was dead i was asleep <laughs> i don't think i stayed awake through one of my chemistry classes and i was trying i will drink coffee i took three caffeine pills which is like seven shots of espresso knocked me out yeah you and a couple other guys are having issues with caffeine pills like, specifically yeah specifically Aaron, but you had to withdraw to get off of them. You didn't have to withdraw. Well, it wasn't like I didn't mean it to sound it like that. Like I didn't withdraw from school. <laughs> but no, it's uh, yeah. No, I just stopped taking the one day because like they're not working and yeah. I don't want to pay money for them. Yeah, they're like three bucks. Yeah, it's CBS. And also, I didn't have to take chemistry ever again because I was done with it. So no need to stay up all night studying because I didn't didn't have that anymore. And all the other classes mostly made sense. Doing homework, still as tedious as it was in high school, but unlike high school, I don't have the option of absolutely not doing it at all and still passing a class. <laughs> the amount of classes that I had in high school that I did no homework for, and that took my grade from an A to a C is fairly astounding, but I had I still passed, and I didn't really care. Can I ask you if you can go back uh, for a tangent on how you got into rowing? Yes. Basically, it was grade school. <sighs> oh, and for anybody that doesn't know what Lazar looks like, he's ginormous. I'm six foot seven, and I weigh <laughs> two hundred and thirty-five pounds. And you've almost always been tall. I mean, yes. So you like stuck out very clearly. So it just adds to the story of. Yes. Well, then doing. I was not two hundred. 30 pounds <laughs> i don't really put on fat it kind of refuses to come on me and my weight will disappear as soon as i stop working out so as a kid didn't really work out i did like some running did volleyball prior to rowing 
But I was, as Serbians would call you, a, a rainworm because you're very lanky and very skinny. And so it was, uh, I don't remember if it was sixth or seventh grade. I think it was sixth grade. We were on the soccer field and the coach for rowing from the rowing club that I actually rowed in, well, not before that, showed up and was like, yeah, anyone interested in rowing? And I was like, who the hell interested in rowing? Went to the soccer pitch to play soccer. By the way, the soccer pitch isn't like the one you would imagine with the big grass. It was concrete. It was like... Who plays soccer on concrete? Children. Um, <laughs> you're invincible as a kid. Okay. The, but uh, so it was concrete and it was... How big was it? It was fairly small. Let's... You compare it to like a basketball court? About the size of a basketball court, okay. yes. With smaller goals, because God knows you're not going to have children in a seven by two and a half meter goal. They're not reading, they're, they're not blocking anything. Got it, okay. And I was the goalie because I was the tallest and also by far the most dangerous as the player because I didn't know where, really where my legs were going. So it was kind of like having a person with two scythes going <laughs> around slashing people down. And so I'm on the, I'm at the goal and that coach spoke to me later down the, like a few years later about what happened that day. And I was just saying, it's like, God, I have to get someone. I want to keep my job. And he <laughs> looks over at that small kid at the goal because he was far away. Yeah. I picked, and I was like, he noticed that I picked up a normal soccer ball in one hand. He's like, wait, what? And I just threw it all across the pitch. And he's like, wait, that kid's tall, actually. How can he? And he, he told my uh, gym coach, and I was like, hey, can I talk to that kid? And he's like, sure. So he, was it he or she? We had a lot of gym coaches. I remember you told me, uh, the gym coach? Because I remember the Ukrainian woman. No, 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 no. Oh, she, okay. she was my coach. Oh. Wrong. But I don't remember if my gym, gym coach was a guy or a girl at the time because we swapped like 20 of them. Oh, okay. So I think it was a guy. It might have been a woman. Okay. Pointless at the end. So I show up and I talk to this coach, and he's like, "Yeah, give it a try. You're tall, might succeed. It's at the very least, it's fun." That was a lie, and uh, <laughs> you'll enjoy yourself. Another lie, but sure, I'll give it a try. So I went to the lake where everyone trains. Ada. It's uh, part of the river Sava. So the river used to have like a split mm -hmm. and they dammed the one part off. And so they turned into that little island there into more like a little riverside peninsula. And went there with my brother and his then girlfriend mm -hmm. um, and couldn't find the coach that told me to show up there because he apparently wasn't working that day. And I spoke to Victoria who was uh, the Ukrainian coach at the time. Well, was a coach there, but she's Ukrainian. She's still Ukrainian. She's still, <laughs> she's still Ukrainian, yes. And so she told me that she'll just take over the quote-unquote entrance exam of just like a physical. That's, oh, I think. Okay. okay. So ran a loop that was around a mile. Then did push-ups. Tried to do pull-ups. <laughs> failed. Remember. Miserably, <laughs> I did half of a pull-up. I was able to do twenty push-ups, so that was nice. At least I could like, hey, hey, look at me! I weighed half a pound at How the time. How old were you again? Six, I fifth grade, sixth grade. So you were eleven. 
guess. I don't. Yeah, that's a, usually fifth grade is like ten years old. Ten to eleven, yeah. Yeah. Then just the standard six-year-old, yeah. uh, sixth grader, and um, she was like, "Okay, I'm going back to the Ukraine." And I am going, when I come back uh, in a month, we'll just put you in the competitive program. Until then, you're just going to be in the school of rowing. I was like, sure. Okay. So I did the school of rowing for a month. It was fun. Uh, We rode the big uh, boat, the really, the one that's like a two seat, like it's a two by 12. No, sorry. Yeah. Two by 12. So you'd have 12 people. On what? each side, yeah, and it was also sweet, so it was like row on each side. But it was it it was it was a training boat because you cannot flip that. So they had two aisles. Yes, I've never heard of that kind of boat before. I only heard of eights or fours. It's a heavy boat, and so we rode that. I kind Wait, how of. How did they get a bunch of elementary school kids to get that out? Did the water... oh no no the boats are always on the water because oh, okay. they're unflippable and they weigh a metric ton. Yeah, because usually with rowing you have to always take them out. Yes, but those are boats that actually are expensive. Yeah. This one's probably expensive, but it's also indestructible. Okay, okay. And the coach would be in that boat with a rudder. So imagine the old Roman slave boats. Well, that's basically what we rode, which is, uh, I mean, different context. <laughs> so after a month, I was like, I got the call that she was back, and then I'm now in the competitive race slash racing part of the team. I was like, perfect. So what was that switch like? Um, yeah. Like with different kids, were they older? Yes, there were different kids. It was. Uh, I think four, five kids at the time in that. Okay. And then I was a sixth kid. And I showed up there. <laughs> this is how different Slavic uh, upbringing is. Two of the kids were a bit overweight. And so the coach immediately told their parents, you need to take a padlock and put it on the fridge at night. Because they're going to be stealing some food because they're going to go. <laughs> but they got to lose weight. And they uh, they did try their hardest to lose weight. So, um, the one kid was very dedicated to losing weight and he would run, what is it? Eight and a half kilometers. So that's about four or five miles. Huh. And in peak Serbian summers, that was a hundred degrees and like 90% humidity yeah, Serbia with a jacket is- on oh and sweatpants and like a gallon of water with him because he didn't want to die. They were losing weight. I was added to the team. I was put into the single with skis on the side because it like helped with stability. Oh yeah, the, I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. So it's, it's like the two metal pole. It's like have you ever seen? No, these were actual skis. What? They put act like we cut. It, we didn't. The club didn't have enough money to buy an actual training symbol, so they, a single. Oh, so they okay. had a standard single, a very old one. Yeah. They put. They cut skis and they made a contraption to put them on the sides. Hey, that's crafty. Hey, it worked, <laughs> and I didn't flip, and so rode that slowly. Learned how to row. Still looked like a skeleton, a walking skeleton with long hair. Yes, I had long hair at the time. Oh, I don't think I've seen a picture of good. This. I've but I remember you, you're very good at helping me with my haircuts and, and brushing out my hair. And I have like post yeah, that's uh, I had the length hair. Yeah, see, that's because I had the worst kind of hair. It's the hair that would knot up immediately. Yeah. So I would spend like two hours trying to get knots out of my hair. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of learn after a time how to do it in the most efficient and not painless way. 
So I finally... What? Not people. Paint my... (laughs) And so after... What is it? Two years of rowing, I decided to cut my hair. Mm -hmm. And because I had such long hair, I had to cut it like very short to reestablish my... uh, the like the, to remove the split that you would normally have. Oh, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, cut my hair, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you cut your hair! You know what that means?" Uh, basically, what, what it means mean? is they're gonna flick you in the head very hard because that's tradition when you cut your hair. God. What? Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know how to explain it, but I can demonstrate it to you. Or like that, yeah, which yeah. would be a flick. And of course, I had to. Take that from a lot of people because that's just not that's just a child tradition. Yeah. In Serbia, we slowly progressed throughout the years. Not gonna explain every single day of practice. Yeah. And then after, well, I think, at some point you started traveling with the team. Yes, but like I think, yeah, to the year that we had like, my first race and so on and so forth. That's kind of like. First race of a kid, not very exciting. Yeah. Uh, later, I think it was two, no, three years. It was 2013, 2014. Went to the Balkan Championship. Ooh. Yes, in a double with a friend of mine. And we ended up taking silver, losing to Greece by a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool. I, I got a Serbian uni for that because I was on the national team, finally. I say finally as if it was a long haul to get there. <laughs> I didn't even know about the national team while I was competing. <laughs> Shows how much I knew about rowing before I started. And um, so after doing that next year, we were going to go try to go to the European Championships. And that's the first time I injured my back. Although my upper back, we were rowing. Uh, crosswind hit kind of like out of a sudden. And I was... My technique wasn't that good at the time. And so I didn't know how to prepare for it. And so as it hit, it kind of twisted my spine. And apparently what the doctors told me, it like the nerve got pinched. So I had to go to six weeks of therapy to like get that all fixed and sorted, which was the most boring six weeks of my life. Because you would go there and I would be at the clinic for like two or three hours. Were you in school at this time? Or yes, yes, okay. I was in school. And so after that was finally done. After six, you can imagine six weeks of not rowing. Yeah. Like, I would still bike. I couldn't run because of the uh, the stress on my back from the impact. So, after six weeks of just biking, sitting in a boat, I was slow. And I had kind of, like, hit a crossroads at the time because everyone was faster than me by a significant amount to the point mm. where I couldn't really do practices with them yet. Mm. I'm still getting really back into shape. And my coach kind of, like, snapped me out. I was like, hey, do you really want to quit? Or do you want to keep going? Why would you row? Like, you're not rowing for any of us. You're rowing for yourself. Choose. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I am rowing for myself and I'll continue. And so I did. Mm-hmm. Kept going. Kind of missed that whole year due to the injury and everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friends who I was rowing with were able to get bronze in the Coxed Four. Oh, wow. Yeah. At Europeans, which was nice. And then they were in the eight. And I think they were seventh in the eight. And whoa. I think maybe not seventh don't remember it was a long time ago yeah year after i was actually able to row with them uh did a few decent races with the friend from the double okay i uh, was in a pair this time 
and we were able to qualify for the four for the European Championship. We went there with two guys from another rowing club. Okay. We ended up getting bronze there. Was uh was the were they from Partizan? No, 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 another rowing club from another city. Oh, Partizan okay. is in Belgrade. So we got bronze at the European Championships, which is very nice. Yeah. We it was in the Czech Republic in a small area called Ratice. Okay. And the basically the race course was I would imagine someone's field. Mm. They got flooded and they're like, ah, racetrack. <laughs> so it was, it was very shallow? I don't know how shallow, deep or shallow it was because yeah. the water wasn't too clear, but it kind of looked like someone dug into like a field to make it. Well, it, doesn't, it didn't really matter. It was fairly nice to row on. The yeah. warm up track was fairly short and yeah. you could only go the one direction. Yeah. So there's no like doing loops to warm up really. And so we did that, and then because of all the rowing camps that had to happen prior to me getting to the European Championship, the whole school situation happened. After I came back from two weeks of not rowing at all, just so I could pass school and mm-hmm. actually, you know, not flunk, mm-hmm. came back. This was the week of 20 exams, right? The two weeks of 20, two weeks exams. Of 20 exams. I'm not crazy to do 20 exams in a week. <laughs> and so it's I. It's so crazy to do 10 exams in a week. Yeah, fair. And so I finished school, and then we started getting ready for Worlds. Mm-hmm. It was the same lineup, same boat. We ended up doing fairly well throughout the season, and they had asked us to row for the under-23 senior boat and okay. not the junior boat And we're, uh, at Worlds. We declined. I still, to this day, think that that was a mistake, because even if we didn't do really well then, we would have still gotten more racing experience, yeah. which would have ultimately helped us. But at the end of the day, I'm one guy in the boat. Yeah. And then we also have a coach. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do that. We ended up going just to the European champion, just to the world championships for juniors, which this year was in Rio because this was 2015. So they were testing the track out for 2016 for the Olympics. Mm, okay. So we went there. It was a fairly long flight plane ride it was 12 hours and they don't pass quickly and at that point in your life you're going to Rio you have been to how many places with crew with with rowing with rowing at that point it was Czech Republic and Montenegro basically okay just to do the Montenegro was for winter practices because it's on the 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 sea Mm -hmm. so it doesn't freeze over and just the Czech Republic at, at points, not counting the... Oh, wait, no, Croatia as well. Croatia okay. had uh, the Croatian Open, which was a very nice race. Um, we had... The first time I went there, the weather was awful. It Croatia? was... Yeah, it was... Well, to that specific competition, okay. it was just raining. The second time was very nice. Very uh, clear skies and sunny, although it is in March, I think. So fairly chilly as well. So, so you're in Rio. Yes, we're flying to Rio. And it was a fairly nice thing to see just the continent slowly getting bigger as you're approaching it. Because oh. you're, I'm, I'm a dumb kid in 2015 that is just kind of like, never really, I've flown once before that, but it was just like from Belgrade to Kotor in Montenegro. And that's mm-hmm. a one hour flight. Mm-hmm. And so not the same as a 12 hour flight. It was, so we flew from Belgrade to Amsterdam. It's just two hours and then got right, like, it was a flight, we had to run through the terminal to get the next flight that was from Amsterdam to Rio. Okay. 
landed in Rio. It was nighttime because it was their winter at the time because they're on the other side of the equator. It was like 5 p.m. Pitch black outside. And we did all the check-in and blah, 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 blah. And we walk out of the airport and it was the most surreal experience of midnight at 5 p.m. basically with the same heat that you would have in Serbia during the summer. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like Serbian summer, but during winter with the, uh, with the winter hours of yeah. like how, how early the sun, like how late the sun rises and how early it sets. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was fairly good. We got on the bus that was taking us to the hotel. I think it was the like the Hotel Rose or the Royal Rose or whatever it was. I don't, I don't remember. Something to do with the flower. <laughs> Something to do with the rose. Could have been a lily as well. I don't know. I remember a flower. <laughs> And so we got to the hotel. Going through Rio was also just seeing Rio from the plane was kind of surreal because you would just see it stretch out into the horizon. It kind of like from the plane, it looked limitless. Like there was no end to the to the building lights. But yeah, so landed, got on the bus, got to the hotel, and now we're just seeing a bunch of different teams around. You saw the U.S. team. I actually think I saw Justin there. Because he was there at the Justin time. Best? Yeah, but I didn't know him. Or... American Olympian, Justin Best? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm... Because he was there, I think he rode the eight that that year. Wow. That is so cool. You might have actually run into one of your future college teammates. Yes. And... You did a lot of, uh, you saw a lot of your um, Croatian teammates who ended up being with you in college, right? Yes, and hung out with them throughout some of the races and played just god-awful music at the race course. <laughs> But uh yeah. Oh, yeah, so you're you're in Rio, you're at the, the flower hotel. Yes, the flower, <laughs> flower power. And uh we checked in, went to our rooms, we were told not to fall asleep, so that we would kind of try like mitigating the jet lag for so for four hours we were literally just slapping each other, trying to keep awake as much as possible. Went to dinner and you know how hard it is to eat when you're a zombie. <laughs> You're just there. It's like, I don't even see. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet, and we couldn't even get excited about it because we were just dreading. <laughs> Finally, 9 p.m. hits. Our coach told us to try to get to 10, but like 9 p.m. is okay. As soon as 9 p.m. hit, we were all just dead. Just mm-hmm. immediately asleep. Woke up in the morning, went to the race course, took the boat out of the shipping the shipping container. But you had to ship your boat from Serbia oh, to... Oh, yeah. Rio is not going to buy hundreds of boats just so like teams coming in wow okay and so assembled it and we're about to go on the water and then we had to have a quick health and safety meeting the water was bad when you have the whole you know the the sign for uh corrosive substance when you have that next to a lake you're like ah okay so it's worse than the hudson and the schuylkill uh, yes, because I've never had to shower down a boat right after uh, the Roman Schuylkill because it might corrode it. It also didn't help that it was salt water as well. But basically, the little quasi-lake that's there, it literally opens up the sea. Most of the sewage, allegedly... <laughs> For legal reasons. <laughs> allegedly, most of the sewage that comes from the hotels goes straight into the lake allegedly and so in my opinion allegedly um and so 
we were like, the weird thing is it's crystal clear. Yeah. So you think it's like, oh, this lake is clean. No, it's not. Don't dip in it. It's Wait, sewer. It, so it looks beautiful. But it looks beautiful. Yeah. But it's not. Weird. And you can also see uh, the Christ the Redeemer. The, oh, yeah, you can yeah. see it from the lake and all of the big, uh, I don't know the English word for it, but the lone mountains. Because, you know, you would have the two different types of mountains. The ones that are like the short ones that are just lone and the big sprawling mountain ranges. A lot of the small ones, the quote unquote small ones, they're very tall, but not in comparison. Yeah. All around. It's just a beautiful place apart from all the buildings. Do you remember, uh, I remember you showed me a photo of Rihanna in the river in Rio. Allegedly. And people were... I don't know if it's that one, but apparently it was near a sewage outfall. And a lot of people in Rio or people that knew about that that river, they were like, oh no, what is she doing? It's not as clean as it looks. (laughs) I don't know if it was that lake slash river place thing, so I'm not going to comment on it. It was funny to see, though. (laughs) But, uh... So we had our first race, went really well, had our second race, which was the semifinal, and we were in the lead up until the last, like, 300 meters. Mm -hmm. Things didn't go ideal. Let's Mm -hmm. keep it at that. And we ended up losing our placing for the A finals by, like, less than a second. So we ended up going to the B final. Not the cheeriest people in the world. We were not the cheeriest people in the world at the time. Yeah. But had to bring the focus back in and mm-hmm. t- go to the B final. You can, you can't just oh it's the B final now. I'm not gonna try because you're still placing in the world cat like the yeah. world charts. So we ended up being first in the B final, which is seventh overall. At the end of the day, happy about it that we didn't just end on a bad note. Wish I had a little bit of metal around my neck. Yeah. Uh, after the races, um, I organized like a quick little trip because I was the only person that spoke fluent English from the team. So I was the one talking to the hotel staff about organizing a trip to the Jesus statue. The big boy Jesus. And (laughs) so they organized the cars. We went there. It was a lot of people. And it was the off season. Like but an enormous amount of people there's just like wading through the crowds to see the Jesus statue. And the other guys loved it. I was not impressed by it at all. Really? It was so much better from afar because when you look at it up close, it's very simple. Like, oh, I yeah. thought that it was going to be like, I don't know why, because I knew what it was made of. It's yeah. concrete, basically. I thought it was going to be like chiseled stone, like, oh, okay. like David or stuff. So yeah. that, it's not. It looks very imposing and very cool from afar when it's looking down onto the city. Not as cool up close, but still pretty cool to see. And of course, the mandatory selfie session. Otherwise, mom would be mad. (laughs) Because if I came back from Rio without a single photo of myself, I might as well move out. (laughs) Her words, not mine. (laughs) So, that was done. We... Took a little stroll to like a supermarket. We weren't really allowed to go outside of the confines of the hotels yeah. due to security reasons. Yeah. Saw a few favelas, never went, ventured into them because we really did not want to get in trouble. Because yeah. it's not, it was basically wasn't allowed for us. They didn't want to deal with uh, potentially things going wrong. Because you issues too. 
I have no idea about assurance. It should be just like we have no idea how their culture responds to things that our culture mm. think deems normal. Yeah. So you don't really want a culture clash when you no one speaks the same language. Yeah. And so we just kind of steered clear of that, went to the supermarket, bought really, really cheap uh sandwich cookie thing, cookie sandwiches, whatever you call them. Okay. The ones like kind of like Oreos, but not bad. And so <laughs> they're just not the best i don't like they're not you had them like three days ago again they're not bad that was your choice they were just in the cabinet and you took them out yes (laughs) don't get me on they're not bad they're just not the best they're not that good a lot of people like oh my god an oreo it's like so cool no it's not it's a decent enough cookie not to be on like a top 10 list stop it so Oreos in one hand, Jaffa cakes in the other hand. Jaffa cakes, <laughs> so much better. It's not. It's sacrilegious to put them in the same ranking. <laughs> Oreos are nowhere near as good as Jaffa cakes. But but anyway, back so to you, the point at hand. You were at we the bought store. metric ton of sandwich cookies. Okay. They were in Portuguese, so I can't tell you what brand they were, but they cost like. 20 cents wow yes and it was like a single row of the oreo box yeah that's that but they were like in like a foil thing right yeah yeah so we had we bought i think about like 12 which (laughs) looking back at it very smart idea on my part you'll learn why so we go back to the hotel pack all our stuff Hung around on the at the beach for a while. Hated the beach. A uh, lot I'm of not a beach person. I love the beach. Not that one. You I like when it's not sand, but it's like very small. Very rocks. small rocks or just a big cliff because I can see the water. I don't. I like. I like swimming, but if I'm at the beach, I want to dive. Like you I like. Never lo- say want to die. No. <laughs> I am not suicidal. Sorry. And so I. Uh, I like scuba diving and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And so when it's sand and also rough water, it kicks up the sand. So it just muck. Yeah. And so the same thing was there, but the waves were really big. So like for the first like 30 minutes, you just had four idiots in the water fighting the waves. As you you and then you got bored because yeah. like it kept going. It's like, yeah. And so we got out of the water, went back, walked to the beach. I swear to God, it was a mile long. Mm-hmm. Like not, not long. Like to get from the road, through the sand to the water it was like a mile long walk. It was enormous. Huh. And then came back to the hotel, went to the pool. We were chilling around there for a bit. That was our last day. My brother told me to get a caipirinho. I'm a dumb kid. A what? A caipirinho is a uh, Brazilian cocktail. I was looking for them at the liquor store. I <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that it was a... Is it asking for a cosmopolitan, like trying to go yes. to the grocery store like, and get no a cosmopolitan? No one's going to at the liquor store be like, oh yes, here, have a Bloody Mary. No. You thought it was going to be like a drink that's... Yeah, I thought it was like their brand of whiskey or something. Oh, uh, okay. And so <laughs> when I told that to him, he promptly laughed in my face. <laughs> yeah, we got on the plane. And <laughs> the well, we got to the airport, fairly yeah. standard. Got on the plane... Air France. Now, let me tell you how 
awful, allegedly, Air France. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you that the seats were basic. The seats in front of me were basically all the way up into my spleen. So, yeah, I didn't have, there's no knee room in there. So I had, thankfully, I had the aisle seat. So I tilted my legs out. Mm-hmm. And then the food on it, they might as well have given me rotten eggs and zombie flesh because it was disgusting. Allegedly. <laughs> in my opinion. I, uh, yeah, so I tolerated the, the seats were uncomfortable. The woman behind me had a kid that kept kicking my seat the entire time and she spoke French. So I couldn't be turned around and be like, Hey, stop it. Cause she didn't know. And, um, so I just kind of waved at the kids. Stop. Uh, didn't stop the kid. It, uh, thought that we were playing a game. So he kept going more. And then I just <laughs> angrily looked at the woman. She got confused and then she just like nudged the kid, I guess, uh, at, Guess she thought like this tall guy that looks Slavic might be mean, so I'll just make my kids stop. Thankfully, this stop stopped. harassing him. And so I was just kind of like I couldn't fall asleep because you can't lean the chair back because it will squash the person behind you. Uh, so I was just kind of like in the state of being unconsciously awake oh. for a good seven or eight hours of the flight. Were you in the, in the French airport for like a movie? I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Don't spoil the story. <laughs> Meanwhile, while I was in the trance, next to me was the women's friend, the the French women's national team. Oh, okay. Doesn't really matter up until a point. I just heard the loudest slap on the planet. One of them was hiccuping, and so the other one thought, "Oh, I got a perfect remedy for it. I'm gonna knock it out of your face." She did a full wind-up haymaker of a slap, like r- rotating her duck bill, kind of like in Looney Tunes, <laughs> kind of slap. Did it work? Or did no, it she kept she, she kept hiccuping. She didn't. She was baffled for a second, and then they all started laughing with her having a handprint. Oh my god! But that knocked me out of my in unconscious zone, which meant I was consciously uncomfortable for the next two hours until I was able to zone back out again. Mm-hmm. We land at Charles de Gaulle Airport. Now, the French aren't the courteous people, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> They're not my favorite European country, in my opinion. <laughs> Their airport was the most confusing. I'm not going to swear, but the most confusing thing on the planet. It, we had to go to Terminal D4. Okay. And I remember it was D4, unless it's not, then I'm wrong. But it was D4. And we're following the big letter that says D4. Yeah. Following, and it just suddenly turns into C2. Why are we at C2? Well, the panels were small at the time, so we didn't even see them. We had to go to, C- to that place that's next to C2 to get on a bus. To take you to D4. Yeah. So we finally get to D4. We were in a rush because we didn't want to be late, right? Yeah. Even though we had six hours of a layover, right? Well, we kind of should have been lost for longer because that six-hour layover turned into a nine-and-a-half-hour layover. Airplane, not airplane, um, airport food and just anything at the airport, as everyone well knows, is a bit expensive. So we had like 50 bucks. We wanted to spend no more than 50 euros at the airport. 50 euros for the five of us. Got, you know, the small little shitty triangle sandwiches? Yeah. That and a water for 50 euros. 
Okay. For nine hours. <sighs> for nine hours, thankfully, I had. You brought your own money? No. I, I was, it was such a scam that I would, I would sooner starve and die of starvation <laughs> than give the French more money. Cause that was just criminally expensive. And so, and also the level of just awful human people, the way that they designed the sinks in the bathroom was so you couldn't fill water on them or drink from them. Cause the, the tap was so low, you could like kind of fit your palms in there. And the sink wasn't the normal. You buy water? Is that the deal? Either that or they were like afraid of people getting sick or whatever. But ultimate oh. result, you couldn't drink water there or fill up water or anything. They didn't have like the faucets like you have in the U.S. They didn't those... have like a water fountain? No. They like, you would expect a water fountain or some sort of courtesy, but no. And so I'm not going to swear. They had them in Germany when I went there. Well, Germans are polite people. They're, <laughs> they're not, they're a nice organized group of people. The... Also allegedly. <laughs> Alleg- no, not really allegedly. You don't say allegedly for a compliment. Allegedly, the French don't bathe often. Oh my god! <laughs> That's Can you tell that I don't like the French? Any point of your beef with the French? It's not my. It's half of Europe has a beef with the French. But um, so after the nine and a half hour wait, all of us started feeling a tad bit sick because we were literally in a incubator for 12 hours and then in an, well, 10 hours and then in another incubator for nine sleeping on the seats that are in the um so the terminal yeah finally got on the flight like an hour and a half two hour uh one uh, flight to serbia got to the airport you've been to the serbian airport it's fairly straightforward you get in they get you out like there's literally, and you just follow the crowd, and then you're literally out. You're yeah, like, they don't. It's do not the, like Philly. It's not like uh, they JFK. Don't, you're yeah, just out of there. <laughs> yeah, they're like when you get, you pick up your bag. The exit is right next to that, and that yeah. takes you right to the parking lot. Yeah. No convoluted maps that you need to do. It is a small airport at the end of the day as well. Got back. Dad picked me up. Went straight home. Got home. Had a little bit of food. Crashed in bed immediately. Woke up sick the next day. With an itch. Now, while I was in Rio, I picked up what was thought extinct in Serbia. And so I had like an, I had an itch, right? On my, um, the inside of my elbow, right? So I didn't know what it was because it was like very itchy, big red spot. And so I went to the hospital, to the doctor, to the dermatologist. And she saw it and she looked at me very seriously. How many people have you talked and like spoke to? How many people have you touched? And I'm like, that's very concerning. Yeah. I'm like, eh, not a lot. Like one person because I had just arrived. Yeah. She told me I had the mange and she was very concerned because again, we thought that we exterminated the mange back home. So apparently it was still in Brazil. Yes. It raised allegedly. It's still in Brazil. Could have been the French, allegedly. <laughs> so, so uh, we, I went to the hospital and they gave me a sulfuric-based cream that I had to put all over my body for six days. So Not days. allowed to shower for six days. I am a guy that showers once a day. 
maybe if I'm really busy and I'm indoors and I don't sweat like once every two days. <sighs> For six days not showering, coated in a sulfuric cream that smells of rotten egg, isolated in my room. My parents had to do the same thing because they were in proximity. They had to use a cream too. Yes, but thankfully the mange never like transferred to them, and I I put a I didn't want to ruin my sheets, so just put a curtain on my bed, and so I was sleeping on that. After six days, I finally was allowed to take a shower. It was glorious. The only issue is I need to take five to take all of the layers of the cream off. Never had the mange again. Threw out all of my pet sheets and everything kind of in contact with that and then for the next month every time i would sweat i would smell of rotten egg until i got the sulfur out of my pores but now any it was just miserable thankfully that was gone i never had to deal with that ever again Mm -hmm. and it was thankfully only on my uh, the inside of my hand the uh the elbow so didn't go to like any unwanted areas then that was 2015 2016 was the big olympic year mm-hmm. and i was way too young to even try to be at the olympics but we were getting ready for under uh under 23 worlds and which we, is like um younger version of the olympics well no a younger version of the world championship and oh, so yeah. we were getting ready in kind of a lot of other boats didn't really know what was going to happen and then few weeks like a month and a half prior to the qualifiers for worlds the national qualifiers two of my friends from that went to boston university came back to serbia and so we made a boat with them another friend of mine who sadly almost went to the olympics he lost to new zealand by like 0.3 of a second in the lightweight four something along those like a very small margin which is very sad but he was able to like get into the boat with us and gonna skip over the whole drama of the serbian national team selection and so on and so forth but basically we ended up in the coxed four despite being the faster of the two fours that were racing there very happy about that as well we weren't pissed off in any way so we were like okay we're racing the coxed four where's our boat we don't have we don't have a cox for in Serbia. It's not an Olympic discipline, so not a lot of people put a lot of focus on it. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, oddly enough, the French were like, hey, we have a boat. Mm-hmm. And the specific club was um, a- a- ACBB, Athletic Club Boulogne-Billancourt, in okay. France, in Paris. Yeah. And they were like, we have a boat. We can ship it to you guys. And we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. How about we ship us to the boat? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we were able to convince the national team to take the plane tickets that we would normally have for to go to Amsterdam where the world championship was take the money from that give a, give that to uh, us not like cash on hand for yeah. us to drive a van over to Paris mm-hmm. find a cheap um, Airbnb and stay there for 11 days to be in the boat to get ready and then go to Worlds and they s- agreed was funny i get but uh we ended up doing that got the five rower the five, the four rowers the coxswain a coach and another coach because you needed more uh, how the rule goes with transit in europe is after seven hours you got to swap drivers oh okay yes and so we started the drive to france the nice long 20 hour straight drive to paris in a van 
Uh, you know, no, no, it did happen. Oh, okay. No, that's another band. That's <laughs> from another story that I'll, I'll, I'll hop back to later. But so we, we got there. We entered France like 2 a.m., something along those lines. And there was no one on the highway, which means now that was an autobahn. No, I'm not going to explain anymore. Whoever knows what an autobahn is. It's not supposed to be, but it was. In an old Renault van. Renault is a car brand for y'all Americans that don't know. A very decent one as well. And so we got to the place like 5 Mm a.m. Couldn't find the keys, but then then we finally found the keys where the guy left them. And then we... uh, we went to find the broom. And a friend of mine was like, oh, I stayed here before because he was there training for the Olympics. Okay. So he takes us promptly to the wrong apartment. <laughs> so we woke up a dude. <gasps> in like 4 a.m. Thankfully, uh, uh, he had a fairly decent sense of humor, laughed it off. And so we went, got into the room, pretty decent place. <sighs> Rowing there was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Those that specifically that part of the city very clean very nice uh the club was amazing yeah and so spent the 11 days there went around saw the uh, champs elysees and the the mm-hmm. arc du, du triomphe yeah the triumphant arc and then uh, saw the the little eiffel tower the little eiffel tower well i couldn't go on top of it because the line was up Appalling. Well, as when you're talking to an American, the Little Eiffel Tower. Is I know Texas. you guys probably have like five copies in, <laughs> in ten different Parises, one in Texas, one in Ohio, and so on. So <laughs> new, new Paris in Amsterdam or New Jersey. Um, and so we went, and I was like, "Oh, let's go into the tower." And the line for the elevator looked about ten hours long. Oh my it god! It was. Saying the line for the stay was just about as long, so we're like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna take the L on this, and we're just gonna take a photo of it from the bottom. I don't need to see the city. <laughs> I can imagine how it looks. I got Google Maps. We went to the Hotel des Invalides, okay. which is where Napoleon is buried in his sarcophagus, which yeah. is enormous. Are those ones the ones you showed me on my first date? Yes, it is huge and made of marble, and then a few other. Um, kind of sarcophagi were placed around it in like other rooms from his general's brother and so on and so forth. Saw during the time one of the exhibits that was being showed was weaponry from World War One and World War Two. Mm-hmm. So we went through that. It was really cool seeing like the progression of all of the weapons, seeing the, the they had the Enigma machine. Oh wow. Yes. I actually think that was the the one that Alan Turing used to break the code for. Yeah. That's so that was like. yeah, it was pretty cool to see. But we, we were also there like thirty minutes before closing, so we had security behind us, kind of like, oh, go. <laughs> Get out. So uh, when we finished that, we went to a store called Decathlon, which was just very cheap stuff to buy, like uh, biking shorts and oh, shirts and so okay. on and so forth. Went on a shopping spree, bought $3 shoes. They were nice until they got stolen by gypsies. <laughs> okay. I'm not kidding. They did. I actually saw them run off. I was, like, I was so different. Because I was at the dock. 
that's like a few months later. They still were off the dock? Yeah, because you, oh. you normally left, you left your shoes on the dock and then you row. And yeah, I was yeah. in a single and I could just see them running, grabbing shoes and leaving. It's like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Walking barefoot to my because so, the leg that we rode on is like a five to ten minute walk from the rowing club so walking yeah. barefoot to the rowing club and then finding like random shoes that were scattered there just so yeah. I could go back home and not in socks wait were these were French gypsies? no 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 no, no. this was this was back in Serbia yeah, okay. um the the French shoes that stolen off of the Serbian docks by Serbian yes gypsies. the French okay, three dollar shoes like, this is the thing I think I regret like if they stole more expensive shoes I would have been less pissed off but I just felt like such a like so successful for finding shoes that were that cheap like I was proud of wearing the three dollar shoes that were actually like functional and so when they got sold I was like come on Oh, my pride and joy. Uh, back to France. While we were on Champs-Elysees, we were like, oh, let's sit uh, in, in a restaurant and grab a beer at Champs-Elysees because it's so cool. The beers were like $13 a cup. So we decided oh to God. go to McDonald's. Because <laughs> I can still say I ate on Champs-Elysees. There you go. In a McDonald's. You just make a little pause. People are impressed. You say McDonald's, they laugh at you. <laughs> So, did that. I uh, went to probably like a few other places. Oh, we went to this bakery. Very nice. Oddly enough, the French are good at croissants, who would have thought. Yeah, good to give them credit for something. Yeah. For once. Oh, right? we, 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 <laughs> we, while we were at the Eiffel Tower, there was a dude peddling uh, little Eiffel Tower statues. <laughs> he sold us like 20 for like a euro. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they, they were cheap. Then, and then, but we, we ended up walking around. I was like, are we now the Eiffel Tower pillars? <laughs> so, uh, when we, uh, again, got into the van and went to Amsterdam. After uh, training there. Yes, after training there. Were going, you able to take that boat with you? Yes, we, yes, we took that boat with us to Amsterdam. We went to row there. Now, the River Seine is where we row. And there's a reason why none of the French big teams or national team really get race ready on that lake not lake river uh on that river is because it's kind of like narrow a lot of barges pass by so it's very wake you can't really do a lot of power there mm, okay and so we you literally like hurt? Is that no no it's just because you have to stop because um, of the waves okay. and so after 11 days of we were basically on like an ex a harder vacation Oh. <laughs> and then we went to the world championships and it was a big change and especially going from like a junior level championship to a senior level championship you were like oh you can like go a bit easy in the qualifiers and then no no you're going all out every single race and so we did every single race and it hurt we ended up placing third or fourth in the b final okay Overall, it was very hard. I think it was 25 crews competing at the time. Yeah. And then when that was done, Amsterdam was fairly nice, although the weather was weird. Yeah. It went from wind to rain to, to, I don't think it was snow, but like a small bit of hail to sunny again in like 10 minutes. That's so funny. I, <laughs> your guys' is nor'easters. And uh, this specifically meant like what I mentioned for the track in the czech republic that was like a flooded field this was actually a flooded field 
from like the rising sea level oh. or, or because they are below sea level yeah. in uh, the Netherlands. So that was actually a flooded field. Like there was farmland around us. <laughs> but it was a fairly nice place. We went around Ro- Rotterdam. Yeah, why, why did I keep saying Amsterdam? Rotterdam is where the race was. We yeah. never really went to Amsterdam. Yeah. But uh, while we were there, Rotterdam is a very nice little, well, little, quote-unquote, city. It was fairly quaint, at mm-hmm. least the parts where we went through. Yeah. Never went to Amsterdam. Another group went to Amsterdam. They said that it was crazy. Really? Yes. They enjoyed the trip. Mm-hmm. Well, then we kind of just, after the race were done, had a few more days of just few like a day or two of touristy things and then we went back to serbia we (laughs) that trip was interesting so we went from rotterdam we were in germany we stopped i think like dusseldorf or something at a gas pump i bought a giant can of beer it was a (laughs) liter can of beer a liter is a third of a gallon a bit less than a third of a gallon can i'm like oh and i got the pint with it the glass pint yeah about a big one it wasn't like uh, the the one the standard one just like a really big boy and so i how old are you 18 no 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 i was not 18 but the germans don't care (laughs) and so got that got back in the van didn't drink it because i was gonna have like split it with my dad's like i got your german beer from a gas pump <laughs> and so we drove a little bit longer but then night fell and we were exhausted so we found a way to like sleep in the van all of us the coxswain slept in the front because it was the smallest space and then we all kind of like spread out <sighs> that was not a comfortable night's sleep <laughs> we were basically like at the uh the trucker stops oh okay yeah yeah Slept there, woke up in the morning, everyone had a creak in their neck, mm-hmm. and then kept driving, and we were bullying the coxswain the entire time. You can't find small people in Serbia, especially not people that can be coxswains, so you, you usually have kids. You can find uh, shorter women sometimes, but you don't No one's going to convince a woman to be a coxswain, they don't care. <laughs> okay. They're not. It's like, ah, yes, I want to wake up early to shout at people. And then people have be, ah, I don't want to deal with it. You can easily trick kids because they're gullible. It's like, hey, you want to steer a boat? And so, and normally, quote unquote, bull, it's just teasing a kid. Like, for instance, the thing we would do is he was sleeping in the back over where you would have, we put all our luggage there and put workout mats. So it was yeah. like a little bed. So he was sleeping there and we would consistently point the AC at him. <laughs> and he would get cold and cranky and then start screaming at us like what are you talking about the AC is not working <laughs> and he's like we were making him feel crazy <laughs> we were gaslighting him about the AC the entire time but it's okay because he's doing that now to the kids that are coxing his boats because he is now actually a big kid <laughs> but yeah so it's like a chain of um, of bullying it's very nice but yeah, so he, we kept pointing the AC at him and he was like, stop it, nah. <laughs> and then like, I'll hit you. It's like, yes, go for it. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you eventually get to Serbia. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're oh, skipping parts oh, of the story. so much. Yes, you are actually. So we, the Autobahn, the beautiful, no speed limit area is a lie. 
It's, really? Yes. There's no speed limit for like a mile. Oh. And then isn't there's a narrowing. And then there's roadworks. And then like ultimately, I feel like it's slower than a standard highway because of the amount of times you have to drop speed. Oh, okay. And very annoying. And it's a very jarring difference from flooring it at like 120 miles an hour to 50. Whoa. It feels annoying. So we get out of Germany. We from Germany passing through. We end up taking the next stop was in vienna in austria so we wanted to try they have a local delicacy there which is uh, uh the lo- the calf of a cow not a baby cow the calf as in like the, yeah the part of the leg that's right underneath the knee so they call it stelze and it is braised for like 20 something hours and then put on a pot like on the barbecue it comes out beautiful puts a tear in my eye we ordered three of those let me tell you how much fat there is on it <laughs> and so the three arrived for one of the coaches went back all the way while we were still in paris because he had other things to do so we had so now what was left is one coach three rowers because the one stayed in rotterdam because that's where his flight was going to be back to boston oh gotcha yeah so three rowers and a coxswain so the five of us well four and a half of us four and a half people ordered a coxswain is half a person (laughs) specifically weight wise and so the um the portion or one portion is around two and a half pounds okay whoa we ordered three We got beer, french fries, and that. Mm-hmm. The guy undercharged us. Like he just didn't count the beer in. Or it could be Austria, so the beer is free. Flows out of the tap. I don't know. <laughs> Aqueducts like a... <laughs> <laughs> beer aqueduct. <laughs> Surrounded by dry ice cooling system. <laughs> but, um, so we started eating it. And how it's made is uh, you, the bone that's in that is literally just twisted and pulled out. The skin from like the braising puffs up and then when it gets fried it's super crispy can't beat austrians when it comes to the meaty things well germans as well very good at that so ate that the coach didn't eat a lot because he was going to drive the rest of us ate all three of those i think we left like half of one because we were a man down and the coxswain could barely eat (laughs) so the three of us basically demolished the thing and immediately went into a food coma. The rest of the drive? Ah, for like half of the, for like another four hours. hours yeah. Coach drove us. He was finally in peace and quiet. He didn't have three idiots being loud and one coxswain being cranky. Yeah. So we finally got back home. It was a very fun experience. Not as athletic as it was supposed to be, but eh, things happen. It wasn't easy, people. It was. It was mostly well. the The thing that happened was mostly our fault because if we stayed in Serbia and had the boat brought over, it probably would have been better. Cause we would have had a lot more intense practices. Yes, but at the end of the day, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been as fun. Yeah. Those then, memories. Yeah. So then, after that, finished, got back. It was 2016. I decided to take a year yeah, off yeah. from yeah a gap year. Didn't want to go straight into college after high school. And so trained for that year. Uh, 
trained a lot because not having to do anything means like uh, passing you, the boredom through rowing. What? Did you apply for schools before you decided to gap year or after? I applied for them. I applied for Boston University, but they didn't tell me that they weren't keen on accepting technical schools. Oh, they preferred okay. more all-around schools, even though I was going to go into the civil engineering program. Not a big issue now. Yeah. But So I took a gap year, and then I ended up um, rowing pretty much most of it. Because I had nothing else to do. So I would put in 40 kilometers a day in the single. I would okay. be doing lifts on top of that and then biking to practice. So it was a 30-minute wow. bike there, 30-minute bike back mm-hmm. for pretty much about months. The biggest difficulty that I had was just eating. Yeah. Because I had to take like 6,000 calories a day. Which is insane. Yes. So I would have... Oatmeal for breakfast with like three cups of oatmeal with milk and yogurt with milk uh, with sugar and yogurt, and then I would go to practice. I would come back. I would meet well at practice. Right after practice was done, I would have a protein shake with some oatmeal. Tantalizing, I know. <laughs> and I would come back, and then it would be rice or potatoes with chicken, a lot of chicken, and then. When that was, I would take a nap, wake up, had another bit of chicken and joy. Um, then we'll go to second practice. Usually the first practice was 28 kilometers in the single. And then the second practice was like 12. Run it up at 40. <sighs> then again, food. Come back home. Have oatmeal again. Have chicken and potatoes. And then right before bed at like 10, at 10 p.m., I would have some more oatmeal. So was this directed by your coach? No, no, this was all like, day? this was all on, on like I did research, saw what other teams ate and like to, to build mass and strength and such. So I went, because that was the year that I went from being 75 kilograms to finally breaking 80 to getting to like 90. Mm-hmm. So I was actually starting to have the mass for my height. So international people listening this will understand. Yes. Yeah, I think 80 is like 190 pounds. Oh, okay. And then I got to 216 by the end of it. Okay. 260 pounds. Um, Was able to do fairly well on the ERG. Got Went 604 on a 2K. That means anything to anyone. Very, very good. Yes. Decently good. Um, I wouldn't say very, very good because... The, the other people in the world were going insane speeds. But good for where I was at at the time. Uh, did that, tried another attempt at going to Worlds, but things just got really disorganized and really messy. The tea, the guys that I was rowing with were fairly good, but we got a boat that was for people that were like 20 pounds lighter than we were, so we oh. sank it. <laughs> Oh. And we could get another boat somehow in the entire country. There wasn't another boat of that category, even though it's not. It, it is an Olympic boat. It was a quad. Yeah. So we in the last like week before the competition, we got split into doubles instead of a four. One of the guys yeah. had. You normally you want to have more than a week of practice, and so we did not do very well at the qualifiers, mm-hmm. <sighs> and that kind of like shook a lot of the other guys and another boat with. A few of my friends in there also didn't do well because of similar organization issues. Yeah. A few of them just flat out quit right there because they're like, mm. I don't. Yeah, because when you have a lot of, when you're training for a sport, you want 
the your failure to be up to you. You so you you want when you go to a race and you lose, you're like this is me not training well. Yeah. So I have to fix myself. The last thing you want is when you go to a competition and you're like, I was put in a boat against my will a week prior. Yeah. And then we'll swap back again. And that because you can't like some people probably could. But if you've never rode with someone and then you're put into a boat with them a week prior, you have no feel for the other person. They have no idea what they're going to do. They have no idea what you're going to do. They don't know how you behave throughout the race. You're not made, you're not like built compatible to everyone else. And so a lot of people just got sick and tired of it. A lot of people quit. I didn't want to quit because I felt like I could do it better alone. Mm, And so I kept going at it alone, ended up attracting the attention of a certain university in the U.S. And Drexel was like, hey, you want to come? I was specifically talking to Coach Baker at the time and mm-hmm. Coach Saval. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign for Drexel. I have nothing to lose. And it's a fairly good deal. And the team is fairly good. So I was like, yeah, sure. So signed the deal with Drexel. Okay. Very good. I have no idea about that. <laughs> All the, the only universities that I knew in Serbia from the U.S. were the Ivy Leagues because they're the world renowned. Mm-hmm. so qualified applied for Drexel got in signed the paperwork packed up a few months later went to the US long flight the night before your flight to the US oh you want to talk about what you were feeling oh yeah I wanted to call it off then and there because it was such an enormous change but then I was you've like you've never been to the US before either I've never been to the US but I've been across the across the pond as the Brits would say but it, that wasn't so much of an issue as going there, like new new things to learn. Having the biggest thing is I just didn't want to do paperwork. <laughs> I didn't want to do paperwork. I didn't want to be in line at the airport. It's not the big things that made me doubt it. It's the little annoyances. Yeah. As you've known from me, the thing the thing that will make me quake in my boots is when I have to do paperwork. I'll like, I'll chop a metric ton of wood i will carry stupid things around and do manual labor no problem but if you have me to do paperwork i'm gonna buckle and so and i feel like being uh international in the u.s is like paperwork every like two months yeah pretty much (laughs) and so that happened i was like i manned up packed my bags came to the u.s landed here and then I encountered my first big issue. Air Korea in their jumbo jet landed before me. So they let out, I think, 3,000 people right in front of me. So I entered JFK, like, waiting area, and it was full. I was in the line for check-in. where you were like, did I just land in Korea? Because there's, like, 3,000 Korean people. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was more along the lines of, I'm going to be here till I die. <laughs> I was there for five hours waiting in line. And the entire time I'm thinking, I have a sandwich in my backpack. I'm going to eat it as soon as I'm done. So I have a sandwich in my backpack. I'm going to eat it. And just going through it like soon, 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 soon. Finally, after five hours, I get to the check-in guy. Give him all the documents, do the fingerprint things. He lets me through. And then I was like, but one of the things was, do you have any food with you? And I said, yes. And he was like, what food do you have? And I said, oh. Well, no, I, 
getting things out of line. He said, because you have like food with you, you go into another room and we're just going to expect that. Nothing big. I'm like, sure. I go there and they asked me, what food do you have? And I said, I have a ham sandwich. They looked at me as if I brought in nitroglycerin. <laughs> I was like, how do you have a sandwich? Like, I, I made it and I packed it on my back. What do you mean? How do I have a sandwich? And I'm like, you're not allowed to bring a sandwich on a plant. It's like, no one told me that. I, like, they could have seen it in the x ray thing. Serbia is a lot more, like, you're yeah, not going to kill someone with a sandwich. Yeah, you're not going to do something with a sandwich. And so, <sighs> the sandwich that I was anticipating for five hours and thinking about. They brought out the yellow hazmat <laughs> trash can with the big gloves up to the shoulder and they threw my sandwich away. You asked if you could eat it? I was like, can I just eat it? And they, were, they looked at me and like, no. Like, it's not bringing disease. Let me have my sandwich. <laughs> and they threw it away. I was so sad. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I'm starving. And the thing that I was thinking about for the past five hours is gone. <laughs> the one good thing about waiting five hours in line is that your bags are already placed out there. <laughs> So I didn't have to wait for my bag. It was waiting for me. Picked it up, went outside, and I went from being isolated to New York. And I got on a cab, and I was like, I know that Penn Station is the train that will take me to Philly. So I said, Penn Station from JFK. I was not expecting an hour and a half long cab ride. But I was chatting with a dude. We were talking about World War One and history and random BS like that. And he would would interrupt the conversation with the occasion to swear at the other drivers who would like run a red light <laughs> so that's my like first big experience of the u.s was traffic in new york got to penn station i was like well i'm already late because i was supposed to meet up with the coaches before they went home oh. and a friend of mine was also finishing up work at pico the the, the older dimitri yeah and so i was I was talking to him over Facebook. You in roaming. I had roaming charges on the internet. So I would only send a message and immediately turn it off. The bigger issue was my phone was at 10%. And uh, I didn't have a charger that could be plugged into a US outlet. Oh, no. Yeah, so I I got to Penn Station. I'm about to take the train. And the woman asked me, do you want the standard? Or the Express. And I'm like, I want the Express. I want to get there on time. $280. And what was the standard price? I don't know. As I didn't ask. But Probably I was like, like I got I got to get there on time. So I took the Express. Little did I know that it's the same train. Express is just what they use to say first class. So you had a kid in sweatpants that looked like he just got put through a wood chipper. <sighs> With just exhausted, messy hair and just the smell of airplane. Next to New York lawyers who were all in their suits with the dress socks and drinking wine and stuff. And I was there as if I was thrown in from Tasmania. <laughs> and so I chatted with the one lawyer and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a student from Serbia. I came uh, to go to Drexel and uh, what are you doing? He was a fairly nice dude, but at the same time, it looked like Prince and the Popper. Because <laughs> he was in an expensive suit, and I was just not. 
got to and he was the one that told me yeah the express one is just first class if you like want to have a seat and have a bar it's like oh so you're saying i could have just gone with the rabble in the back and pay like a third of the price <laughs> got the got to philly got to the train station and still starving still thirsty and i saw a hot dog place perfect it was a pretzel dog i was not expecting that i think so whatever it was called i don't remember i was drowsy from the plane so i got it it was a hot dog and a pretzel last thing i wanted it was salty <laughs> like i the, the bun was so salty and i was thirsty and i didn't i didn't have like i didn't want us to pay for drinks like i spent 280 dollars on a train so i just had the thing and met up with dimitri he took me to try to see the coaches, but none of the coaches were there. Yeah. Because why would they be there at 6 p.m.? Yeah. So did like he did like an extra practice. I tried doing one with him, but I was just too broken from the plane ride. Oh, went, so the first person you went to was the... The DAC, yeah. yeah. Went from there to try to get into my student housing, but I was there on the 11th. The housing opened on the 12th, so I wasn't allowed in. Mm-hmm. So went to his place, met up with Damien. My my memory's a bit hazy because that was like 30 hours of being awake. So we went to his place and they were talking about something. And I just remember the last thing being that and me waking up in a bed. Confused (laughs) to the nth degree because I just woke up in a weird room that was not mine. Looking at a city that I don't know. (laughs) And then... Memories started catching up. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in the U.S. (laughs) And so, yeah, apparently I fell asleep in the chair as they were talking. So they just kind of, they said that they walked me to bed. I don't remember being woken up at all. So woke up um, and then went to check into my housing. This, this is a realization that i had when i went there my mom was right i should have brought bed sheets i don't know why in my stupid brain i thought that the university housing would give us bed sheets so i slept with it on a towel until i was able to get bed sheets <laughs> you had them at the bookstore right yes but yeah. they were so expensive yeah but uh i think it was like 80 bucks for the comforter, and the comforter, and the, which probably U.S. price-wise, perfectly fine. My scale was still Serbian at the time, so that was outrageous. <laughs> and so I met Colin. He was not expecting to see me because he saw my world championship photo that looks like a drug-fueled moron. Because we were well, it looks like a mugshot. Yes, because <laughs> it was after the twelve-hour flight to Rio mm-hmm. in a tent meant for. Um, Hispanic people that are t- that tend to be short. I'm six foot seven. The tent itself was like five foot eleven at the most. You were hunched over. I was hunched over, and so my glasses. And I was also looking down because they were speaking in Portuguese to me of how to pose. I didn't know, and so my glasses were slightly lower on my nose. I was looking forward with the biggest bags under my eyes, just completely disoriented. Yeah. So he saw that. He was expecting a Russian crime peddler. <laughs> and then he got me. At the time, I had like slightly long hair, so I looked like a hippie. So I was like, oh, oh I'm not going to die. <laughs> so he helped me kind of set up my towel on my bed because I didn't have sheets at the time. He offered sheets, but I was like, nah, nah, it's fine. I'll survive. And I did. 
as you can see. So got new sheets, put them on the bed, and then freshman year started, which you kind of fairly caught up to because that's when we met. And I thought you were cute, so I was like, I'll talk to her. And I did after practice. I drove my bike next to you, and we talked, and I was like, hey, you want to go out? And like, oh, I can't. My parents are coming. And in my mind, I was like, ah, I got rejected. <laughs> you, I think, were the only girl ever to actually be telling the truth. Like, you actually had your parents coming over. <laughs> but... um the the weird thing coming into the U.S. to come back to like move from that to uh, was the food here has so much sugar and I don't tolerate sugar. So anytime I would eat oh, something, yeah. it made me sick. So that kept me from eating a lot, especially in the dining halls. The food wasn't the best, allegedly, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> and so I uh, I and went from two hundred and sixteen pounds to one hundred and eighty five. Which wasn't the healthiest thing. I think the only. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? Yeah, I went in a span of like a few weeks. I went from 216 pounds to 185. Because I could, like, anytime I would eat something, because I wasn't used to the quantities of sugar. You would know that. <laughs> so I dropped that weight fairly quickly, which immediately affected my uh, rowing results because yeah. I just lost a lot of muscle because I never really had fat to begin with. Yeah. So you don't. When you drop that much weight, it's mostly muscle. Yeah. So after my body stopped digesting itself, I'm starting to regaining weight and adapting to U.S. food-ish, cooking a bit for myself, a lot of oatmeal. And uh, well, also Colin had the Z-bars or whatever, the Cliff Bars. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he based, like his mom was always buying them at Costco and he's like, I can't finish all of them. And I also don't like, like he liked one out of the four flavors in there. So he was like, can you eat the other three? I was like, yes, yes, I can. And I did. And uh, I will form an alliance with you. Yeah, it was beautiful. I let him keep all of his dirty laundry on my side of the room. <laughs> That's the alliance. But yeah, going, and then being able to slowly regain weight then come sophomore year. Well, actually, no. Prior to that, the you the people in Philly are Eagles fans, and me being the very um, fun loving and always not annoying person, <laughs> heard that oh, you guys hate the Patriots. So, not being a contrarian at all, I decided to root for the Patriots. And somehow, within a week of me deciding, I'm gonna annoy people with this. Sports Illustrated sends me a Patriots shirt in the mail. And I'm like, this is beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. And so, and that, of course, had to be the Super Bowl where the Patriots lost to the Eagles. Yeah. But prior to that, I uh, sent you a snap of me in the car with a Pats shirt with all of our friends in Eagles jerseys. And I'm like, hmm, I feel in the minority here. <laughs> and you, and then you sent with an Eagles shirt. like, you should. <laughs> And then I sent a, another snap, and in it you saw a gallon of milk, and you're like, "Who the hell is drinking a gallon?" Like me. I was like, "You're gonna drink an entire gallon?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna drink the entire gallon while I'm watching the game." And no way. And I was like, "Yeah, nah, you'll see." But you were a bit like with the Eagles jersey, and I was like, "Okay, how about we have a little wager? If uh, the Eagles win, I'll take you out to dinner, but..." No, wait, uh, you make me, uh, I make you dinner if the Eagles win, but you make me dinner if the Pats win. And the Pats lost. <laughs> <sighs> Tom Brady failed me. 
But uh, so the Pats lost, and Jack was a friend of ours who has been an Eagles fan before he, an Eagle fan before he actually came out of the womb, <laughs> was a tad bit emotional at the time. Oh, he was. Oh, he was screaming, shouting, just being so happy, Aww. and uh, that ended. And we're like, well, I have to honor my uh, my deal. And so I took, yeah, and so I took you to the most romantic area ever, a grocery store. (laughs) So we bought some ingredients and I ended up making, I think it was bolognese for you. And then, uh, yeah, we had dinner. We had, since the the dorm we were in has a communal kitchen, for anyone that doesn't know, that means that it's trash. So each room was just a room with nothing else, communal bathroom, communal kitchen. So in the communal kitchen, we made the food, we were sitting at the table, and a bunch of the kids on the floor that were high out of their mind were just passing by in circles, just walking around in circles, slowly, just very gently laughing as they were passing by. And we just finished dinner, and there was like a lot left over. I was like, hey guys, you want food? And they looked at me just so happy. Just a, a profound childlike happiness. It's like, yes, I want food while I'm high. <laughs> so they just demolished the rest of the pasta. And that's when I kissed you because I was a soiree kind of guy. <laughs> so then that kind of solidified that at least we like each other. Yes. Um, and then right after that was the parade, the Eagles parade. Yes, that was the Eagles parade. We went there. People were falling off of trees. People were climbing. And then and uh, flagpole, flagpoles yeah. and streetlights and falling off of them. Uh, they, had to grease the, the, they greased the light poles to try to keep people from doing it. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> and so the parade happened. Everyone was super happy. Little did they know that that was the last time the Eagles are going to be good in a very long time. <laughs> and so... Uh, that ended. We went back to my place, hung out for a bit. You went to your dorm room. I stayed there. I was like, cool, things are going well. Uh, did all the boring student stuff of exams and such. Um, I don't think there was anything like pretty standout about freshman year. Um, I don't remember the way that... Oh, yes. What happened was you told me that... Your mom told you to like go with a friend, and I said, "Oh, so you decided to go with your boyfriend?" You're like, "Oh, you're my boyfriend." <laughs> when am I ever wrong? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, I guess from freshman year, it was just me uh, hanging out at your dorm a lot of the time, doing my art. That's because your my dorm painting, was puny. All the foundation stuff. Your dorm was so small. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, hung out with us. It was Jack, Handy, Colin, and I, and occasionally just random people popping in, like Liv and Matt and Shannon and so on and so forth. Freshman year ended. I went back home to Serbia to renew my visa. Yes, and then you dropped by to Serbia. And you were all, oh, my God, I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> and so you came to Belgrade, took you around for for a week, not really a lot you can see in a week, but we did a lot. Yeah, but a lot of it is, was sped up just to like kind of take in the sights, but we didn't really like st- 
explore the city and so on. I know. But you had a lot of cheap food. It helps when it's all like not factory made, like McDonald's. (laughs) Even your McDonald's is good. Yeah, because we have other standards. (laughs) Specifically (laughs) making it clean. Like the KFC. Everywhere else in the world. Spectacular. 10 out of 10. In the US, it's one of the worst things you can eat. First off, the chicken ain't crunchy, which can't, when you have breaded chicken, you kind of want it to have a little bit of a crunch. Uh, no, it's soggy, greasy, and disgusting. And I swear to God, I've seen bathrooms cleaner than the KFCs I've been in here. <laughs> like, so yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, so freshman year, I was doing a lot of like foundational design because a lot of art and stuff. And you were in like some insane classes. I mean, I was in freshman, the insane classes. I wouldn't really. I mean, they were weed out. It's like the class isn't a big deal, but the way it's done is annoying. Like I remember my freshman year coding class, the uh, final, the uh, average grade at the final was a twenty five percent. I had a fifty five, so I got a B plus. Good. (laughs) Uh, The weird, the thing was, I first saw my grade, my uh, percent grade. I was like, oh, uh, uh, 55. And then I saw the average, like, wait, 25% is the average. Eh? <laughs> and so I ended up getting a, a B plus in that, which was very surprising. I didn't know that that's how it worked at all. Because the whole... Uh, no, no. If you if the entire class failed, the entire class failed. Yeah. And so they also, like, if you have one... F, like if one person, so if you, for instance, have an F out of the four grades that you have to have, if one of them is an F, that entire class is an F until you That's fix, well, just the class itself. Yeah, yeah. So you have to fix the F and you can do that through just un- taking an exam out like at a different time. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you have summer exam. It's not summer school. You you have to take the entirety of what you had to learn in that year as an exam in an exam form, and then you can proceed. If you don't do that, you have to repeat an entire grade just because of one grade. And thankfully, the U.S. isn't like that, so it was a lot easier to pass classes and do all the things. It's just a lot of annoying tedium of just doing an hour upon an hour of homeworks and paying three hundred dollars for a chemistry textbook that was. Without um, what do you call them? The bind without any binds. It was Jeez. it was loose leaf. Yes, for three hundred bucks. So I had to buy a uh, a case for it. I ended up not using it at all. So it was a nice three hundred dollars well spent. But I needed to buy it because that gave you a code to the online homework thing. Yeah. And homework was like twenty five percent of the grade, and I needed every percent when it came to chemistry. Yeah. And didn't you also um, change majors to engineering? Yes, I was electrical at the start, and then I realized how much coding there was in electrical. So I was like, yeah, back to civil. <laughs> and I have not regretted that decision, because God knows I cannot do coding. I can, I'm passable at it, but definitely not someone you'd want to work on a coding assignment. And so, you, like, that was freshman year, you changed to civil. Yes. Um, and then... Was your first co-op software yet? Yeah, yeah co-op is all. 
In sophomore year, we moved out of the freshman dorms into the sophomore dorms, um, finished the first two terms, and then co-op terms started. Got a co-op over at Pannoni, where I'm now working at. As you can tell, I spoiled the story. It's going well. <laughs> uh, it was fairly nice. It helped the fact that I had a lot of CAD experience and civil engineering experience, so they didn't really have to teach me in the basics. They had to yeah. more along the lines of things that are specific to the firm and some of the difference in standards between Serb like European standards, because Serbia kind of follows EU standards and American standards and stuff like that. So that was all nice. Uh, going through sophomore year into junior year, pre-junior year, technically, because mm-hmm. it's a five-year program. That's pretty much also the standard. And then going, well, pretty much all standard, but that is the year. The the 2020s, when the things did the happenings. So being inside for a prolonged period of time, not that bad when you're someone like me who does not want to go outside of his room. <laughs> Although, we'll tell you, after month 13, I started getting a bit stir-crazy. Yeah. Uh, didn't help that our house was a billion degrees. Yeah. And, and not the uh, youngest house on the block. Yeah, only a few issues with things right. falling I've apart. I've talked about the, the old house before on the podcast. Okay, so everyone's caught up to speed of it. It's, it's a, a atrocious it condition. It's not great. Where we're living now is a lot better. You mean it has walls that aren't crumbling apart. Yes, that's true. And the, the, the uh, rats. When you take a, a shower, when you take a bath, it doesn't, oh, there must be a floor. Yeah, you don't flood the other rooms by just taking a shower, which is always a good thing. It's always nice when you take a shower, you don't cause a flood in another area of the house. Surprisingly yeah. enough. Um, speeding forward to that, because not, not a lot happened then. Uh, went to senior year now. And, uh, well, technically junior year or fourth year. Did that, again, fairly standard work at Pannoni again, because there were no restrictions on work anymore. That was all well and nice. Now I'm in my fifth year mm-hmm. uh, due to a few injuries I've sustained throughout the years. Mm-hmm. I am currently not able to row, but so I'm helping out the team as much as I can with just anything that I can yeah, pretty much. Yeah, a lot of boat maintenance to make sure. Uh, boat maintenance, moving things around, help, like cleanliness and so on and so forth. Yeah. But apart from that... That's pretty much it. Rowing wise, I'm gonna rewind to freshman year. That went fairly okay. Adapting to just being around people that don't really speak your language, but also people that do, because there was a lot of Serbs and Croatians on the team. Went into races, didn't go quite as well as we wanted them to be, and specifically the last race, well, the second to last race of the year, which was that veil. Didn't do that as expected, but we were able to get into a four for IRAs, which is the Intercollegiate Rowing Association, not the Irish Republican Army. (laughs) Uh, So went to IRAs in the Coxed Four, got into the finals, were kind of in contention for gold, worst case scenario, bronze. We found out that there was another worst case scenario of the race being completely canceled due to weather and other things. Um, so we didn't get any medals or anything at all, which was not 
the most enjoyable thing when you had some of the best races in your life and then you got nothing for it again you want to fail due to your own mistakes not other issues that aren't affected by your skill or endurance but otherwise everything went well coach was still set like disappointed with the the cancellation but satisfied with the results um that helped uh justin i hope it helped them at the very least kind of go right into the national team because he went from rowing in a uh in that four and and going into another four that then turned into the eight he went to worlds and got gold yeah which is very impressive to anyone that thinks like oh he got a gold medal you try doing it because um, <laughs> i did it's hard so he ended up getting gold i decided to refrain to kind of keep away from the Serbian national team because I was on another continent, getting into a boat with someone and having a week to prepare again. Not something I wanted to do again. This is freshman year. Summer you came back. Yes. Didn't um, want to do it because it just wasn't enough time to actually fully set a boat and would have just been a lot of time wasted mm-hmm. to like not really achieve anything specifically because I didn't need to renew my visa, mm-hmm. do more paperwork. <laughs> God, I love paperwork. It's so nice. <laughs> then sophomore year was, um, yeah, IRA was in California that year. So in an effort to pre- kind of prepare us for the California climate earlier in the year, coach got us to go to participate in a race in San Diego, which is the crew classic, I think. Okay. So there we raced against Stanford, uh, against Stanford, two different universities of San Diego, because there's two apparently. And Gonzaga, I think. That's another one. That's a, There's two San Diegos and Gonzaga and Stanford. That race went really well. We weren't able to beat Stanford, but we were fairly close. We weren't expecting, like, we wanted to beat them, but we they're known to be, like, faster than us, but we got very close. And then coming in, we there was a few races. Uh, there was the... Uh, George Washington University had a race. So after the GW regatta, that also went fairly well, even though the weather was awful. <laughs> Which that year, just the Potomac isn't the calmest river on the planet. That one well when it went to IRAs in California. We were, I think, 20th, 19th. The race was can't complain like the the wind was there definitely crosswind the other teams were performing oh yeah we were second at dad veil by 0.3 which kind of wish we were first because 0.3 is such a small amount but colgate did really well that year so can't say anything bad and we really there again it was we were just slightly not strong strong enough there was no uh, like outside factors interfering in that race this, that was just at the time they were more they were are either better prepared than us or just wanted more yeah so even though it was disappointing not to win it was still a good race and it was also something that was not something yeah that's what i'm saying it's it, it all came to form at the time yeah and i know everyone was just demolished after the race like yeah. barely able to stand uh ju- pre-junior year my third year sat 
bit of it out because of an injury. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Yeah. So then I sat a lot of it out because the team wasn't. Everything was out. Yeah. Then came back for this uh, for last year. Was able to get into the IRA into four. We got 11th. And the team had, I think, its best placing ever. So the team really like jumped that year because they everyone was during like off well technically mandatory off season due to COVID. Everyone was training really hard. Came back, coaches put very good boats together, sent us out. They did well. The weather was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was raining the entire time. It was frigid cold. So right after the race, you're just sit shivering, walking slow to the bus. Mm-hmm. Um. But apart from that, yeah, I can't complain. I mean, I can't complain about the wind, but ev- everyone has the same experience yeah. down the course. So that didn't affect the, the other teams in yeah. a better way. It wasn't just the event. Yeah. So that race, very hard, as expected, but went well. And now we're here with two hours and three minutes and 23, 24, 25 seconds passed. Any more questions? You actually got a job offer. Yes, um, I did. Can you talk about this a little bit? Yes. I am currently on a pre-completion OPT, which is part-time uh, part-time employment authorization. And then I'm taking three months off applying for the post-completion OPT, which is basically like a work visa that's connected to your student visa. Mm-hmm. Working with them for nine months well technically it's six months and then i'm applying for my stem extension Mm -hmm. which is another two years on top of this Mm -hmm. continuing working with them and that's kind of the plan from then on i don't really plan too far ahead because you never know really what's going to happen so what's the point of like oh in two years i'm gonna have a land rover discovery parked in front of my suburban (laughs) home and then you realize the suburbs are just the worst place to live. And like the homeowners associations are just awful. I, I can agree with you on that. That like, does suck. I can't plant tomatoes in my backyard because it's unsightly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. So I want to ask you about like what you're saying about I will get paid. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the mo- like I'll do whatever as long as I'm getting paid. The, the team is really cool to hang out with. Yeah, when I met them, they all seemed really, really nice and, and got on Yeah, everyone's chill. It uh, it helps everyone's chill in the firm. No one is uptight or... Uh, or I can't say anything. Literally, I can't say anything bad about the place. Maybe that the coffee machine always breaks, but everyone knows that. <laughs> like the coffee machine in the big kitchen, if it works, it's an event. <laughs> But and also the printer, you got to do a printer dance every single time you're trying to print something. Yeah, but that's time that you spent every, scanning there every single there. printer that I have ever used hates me. <laughs> no different at work. I'll turn it on, it's like no paper. I'll open the paper tray, it's full. Put close it, no paper. And then what I figured out when it does that, I open up every single tray, close them, and it's like. Ah! Paper magically <laughs> has appeared in me. Here, have your sheets. So yeah, the paper, the the printer dance, always the but thing. Other than, than those, uh, um, small things about your day, like when I talk to you, you really enjoy your job there. Yeah, it's nice working on the pro. Yeah. It's it's the big difference between like practical experience and school. In school, anytime I'm doing th- something, I know that it's kind of pointless. 
because at the end it's like oh you're getting experience but you're not really getting experience but at work you're actually doing something that you can see being built or constructed and it actually has a sense of urgency so you actually want to do it instead of doing my homework to calculate the hypothetical heat loss (laughs) for this apartment complex for every single room it's like no i don't want to because this is pointless Mm -hmm. one room is enough for you to know that i can do it yeah three thousand rooms is a tad bit much yeah but i still had to do it three it took a few hours longer than uh it took god to make the universe (laughs) but uh yeah so doing something that you know is actually like impacting something as in like oh i'm building a road and it's gonna be there gives you a lot more motivation to do something than i'm just writing arbitrary things in a notebook and showing it to a person that couldn't care less because this is the one millionth time a student has shown it to them yeah yeah if you could talk to somebody who was like a freshman do you think you'd have any advice for them Use rape my professor. I I did not know about that website when I was in freshman year. I really wish I did. Rate my professor is your friend. Um, Apart from that, it's kind of like there's not much that I can give as experience. Like, oh, study, do your homework. But uh, that's about it. It's it's like there's not a lot of ways to approach university education. Like, try to remember what you learn. Like. Learn CAD, yes. Learn you CAD. Might not learn you, from your you're, you're not gonna in most schools. They're not gonna teach it to you. If you want to be in civil engineering, learn it. If it, com, compare it to Excel for business majors, and you're not gonna get taught that. So start learning it now. Uh, apart from that, that's kind of about it. Uh from my end, yeah. If you want to ask more questions or something, go for it. I know my mom is gonna be tearing up. Oh my God. probably gonna be like he never do you know that he has never sent me a nice photo he's always making these weird grimaces and it's to be <laughs> <laughs> she and i see you send nice photos i know it's annoying <laughs> but my dad at least understands why why would i want to have a photo of myself <laughs> I'm never listening <laughs> to this podcast. The last thing I want to do is hear myself speak. Okay, so, so, Emily Giordano, where can people find you? <laughs> so, people can find me. Um, if you already know what I do, I, I'm a web developer and uh, web designer, and I'm also a UX person. Um, and so, you can find me at uh, www.greatdesigner.com, which is my company website. Uh, you can email me directly um, at. Um, uh, you can email me directly at uh, Emily E M I L Y at greatdesigning.com. I also have a YouTube channel, Great Design, where I <laughs> I do website reviews of websites I find that it helps me learn. And yeah, uh, I'm also on Instagram uh, at Great Design. And all of this is in the description. And if you want to reach out to Lazar, well, <laughs> it'd be very easy for me to. Uh, get a hold of him uh, to answer your questions. But uh, yeah, I guess this is the end then. This is, I always say goodbye until next time, but you and I are sitting right in front of each other, so I guess this is... See you in half a second. Yeah, good night, everybody. And on the next episode of the podcast, we will be interviewing Emily Giordano. Oh, I don't know about that. All right, well, good night, everybody. Bye-bye.